Hey everybody, and welcome to the 20-Minute Fitness Podcast. This is Leslie. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. The 20-Minute Fitness Podcast is produced every Tuesday for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.20minute.fitness. All links are in the show notes. Also, feel free to email us with topic suggestions. Write your idea to podcast at 20minute.fitness. Now, let's get into the show. As always, the 20-Minute Fitness Podcast is powered by ShapeScale. ShapeScale is a 3D body scanner, scale, and fitness tracker. You step on it and it digitizes your body in photorealistic 3D. Also available for pre-order on shapescale.com. And welcome to the latest episode of 20 Minute Fitness. So today we're going to be talking about a couple of different weight loss procedures. This topic actually stemmed from an article that piqued our interest here at the office. The article was by Vox, and the title is, We are barely using the best tool we have to fight obesity. In this article, it essentially raises the point that bariatric surgeries, or surgeries such as gastric bypasses and gastric sleeves, are vastly underutilized to treat obesity, which in today's health and fitness climate is a bit of a controversial stance. This is because many people view gastric bypasses or surgeries like it as a final attempt to lose weight, essentially viewing it as the last resort when it comes to weight loss. However, Julia Bellus, the author of the Vox article, would beg to differ. Her standpoint comes from the perspective that the public's views of gastric surgery for weight loss is underused because of the stigma behind them, or rather the view of the people who are the candidates for weight loss surgery. Researchers think some people have genetic or hormonal traits that make them more susceptible to obesity. They view obesity as a complex chronic disease like cancer with many causes and subtypes. They are also losing faith in dieting and exercise, neither of which is very helpful for weight loss in the long term. The public, on the other hand, generally believes obesity is caused by lack of willpower and it can be fixed with gym memberships and trendy diets. In one 2016 survey of more than 1,500 Americans, 60% of the participants said dieting and exercise were even more effective than surgery for long-term weight loss. There's an attitude that people are at fault for their obesity, that it's a failure of theirs or it's a personal responsibility. This was said by Joe Nadglowowski of the Obesity Action Coalition, a membership organization for people with obesity. Joe goes on to say, that not only is having obesity something you're stigmatized for, but if you need a medical intervention, there's a stigma around needing help to deal with it. So doctors may think patients can exercise their way out of the problem, and patients may feel that they should be able to too. So the question is, is dieting and exercise a better long-term solution rather than gastric surgery? Well, in a 2014 study published by the Journal of Obesity, Researchers compared participants from the Biggest Loser reality TV show who had gone on crash diets and exercise programs to rapidly lose as much weight as possible to people who had undergone gastric bypass surgery. They chose to use contestants of the Biggest Loser TV show because it offered a rare opportunity to look at people who had lost a vast amount of weight in real life. The bypass surgery patients saw their metabolism normalize within a year to a rate that matched their new body size, while the TV show contestants saw their metabolism slow down and stay that way, 
even six years after losing the weight. And on average, many of the contestants managed to regain most of the weight back. Even when you compare obese adults who haven't received surgery with obese adults who do, bariatric patients live longer, have a lower risk of cancer, have less high blood pressure, have lower rates of type 2 diabetes, and weigh significantly less. So the majority of bariatric procedures in America today involve the gastric sleeve or a gastric bypass. Most of these methods permanently alter the digestive tract to help people lose an average of 30% of their original body weight. And it has been proven that most of the people who undergo these procedures keep that weight off. So we will be talking a little bit about the technical part of these procedures. And this is just a quick warning that if you are squeamish when talking about procedures or surgeries, then this is your warning. With the gastric bypass, surgeons use staples to make the stomach smaller. This is done by creating a small pouch, which can hold anywhere from an ounce or maybe a walnut's worth of food. Next, they reconnect the small intestine to a hole in the new pouch, so the food flows into the pouch, therefore bypassing the stomach. Then, it moves into the latter part of the small intestine, bypassing the first half of the intestine. With the sleeve, which now takes up more than 50% of waist loss surgeries in the U.S., surgeons staple off and remove about 80% of the stomach. This transforms the stomach from sort of a football shape into a slim banana or a sleeve shape. This reduces the size of the stomach so people can't eat as much as they used to. Therefore, they consume less calories. Gastric bypass is similar to a sleeve surgery because it also restricts the amount of food people can eat. But also, because food no longer passes through much of the stomach, people also can't absorb as many calories and nutrients as they used to. But an additional and very important reason why both the sleeve and gastric bypass surgeries lead to long-term weight loss is most likely because of the changes in hormones that occur after the procedures. The sleeve, and especially the bypass, seems to suppress hormones that affect hunger and the sense of satisfaction. These hormones include the hunger hormone, ghrelin. This is a physical change that diets will never do. The third most common weight loss procedure in America right now is the lap band. Though this has dramatically fallen out of favor in recent years and now only takes up about 5% of surgeries. The problem is the surgery doesn't work as well for weight loss as other procedures that are offered, and it leads to lots of complications and more surgery down the line. Lap band involves placing an inflatable band around the upper portion of the stomach to create a small pouch. When the lap band operation was first approved by the FDA in 2001, it seemed like a safe option for weight loss surgery that could be adjusted or removed at the patient's request. This is unlike the gastric bypass or sleep operations, as it doesn't involve permanently removing or altering the stomach or intestines, and it can be easily reversed. However, due to the complications associated with lap band, gastric bypass and gastric sleeve surgeries are still considered superior to lap band. Therefore, with this proven track record of studies showing the efficacy of gastric surgery in place of fad or short-term dieting, gastric surgery should be considered a legitimate option rather than a last resort. 
In fact, that's why Medicaid now covers the procedure in 46 states, along with other health systems in countries like Israel, Brazil, and Canada. So, as we are talking about surgeries related to weight loss, I thought it would also be worthwhile to talk about liposuction. And I was curious as to whether it was a legitimate weight loss surgery or was it only really a tool reserved for Hollywood actresses and reality TV shows about plastic surgery. So as of right now, liposuction is not advertised as a weight loss procedure. This is according to JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, who goes on to say that liposuction cannot eliminate stretch marks or cellulite on the skin and that the treatment can only remove small, localized fat concentrations. And in most cases, 10 pounds of fat or less will be removed from a treated area. In fact, the ideal liposuction candidate is already close to or at their healthy weight, but is interested in subtle body contouring. This is also emphasized by the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, that says that the best candidates for liposuction are patients with isolated areas of fat that are out of proportion with adjacent areas. And these are areas that don't go away with diet or exercise. So common areas of concerns are things like love handles or quote-unquote saddlebags. And since liposuction only removes fat and not skin, other areas considered for liposuction, like your stomach, should have good skin tone and minimal excess skin. So if you're looking for a long-term weight loss solution, then liposuction is not the answer. However, if you have an extra 15 grand that you'd like to invest in getting your problem areas reduced, then I mean, good for you. You're probably pretty financially stable. Okay, so now we're going to be moving away from outpatient procedures and looking into less intrusive treatments that can be done uh, to boast weight loss or promote contouring benefits. First is one that you may have already heard of, which is called cool sculpting. And you may be wondering what that could even be. Well, cool sculpting is a quote unquote fat freezing procedure and is the only FDA cleared non surgical fat reduction treatment. According to the cool sculpting website, the way this procedure works is by using controlled cooling to eliminate stubborn fat that resists all efforts through diets and exercise. The results are proven, noticeable, and apparently long-lasting. The process of cool sculpting begins by placing a towel of a freezing agent onto the area you have chosen to cool sculpt. What seems to be the most popular area is the lower abdomen. However, you can also cool sculpt other areas like your lower chin and neck. So after the cooling agent, the cool sculpting device is attached and essentially grabs and continuously rolls over the given area for about an hour. After that, the technician would come back in and massage the area, essentially breaking up the cooled fat. The whole process takes close to two hours and doesn't have any reported recovery time. And again, this is according to the Cool Sculpting website. However, after reading some reviews about other people's experience with Cool Sculpting, it seems that although there's nothing truly invasive, it can still be a pretty painful process. The overall sensation of the machine is said to be like a grabbing, and it can be very hard to get used to. Also, many people walk away from their initial treatment with bruises and soreness that have said to not go away for up to three weeks. However, patients do report a 25% decrease in fat 
with only about one to two treatments with no surgery and no apparent downtime. So the common cool sculpting side effects include temporary redness, swelling, bruising, and skin sensitivity. These are caused by the exposure to the cold treatments. They would usually go away within a number of weeks, um, and these side effects occur because cool sculpting affects the skin in a similar manner as frostbite. In this case, treating the fatty tissue just below the skin. However, cool sculpting is safe and does not actually give you frostbite. And although many people have reported soreness, cool sculpting does not limit any patient from doing physical activity immediately after their treatment. Patients can continue their everyday activities like work or exercise fairly soon after their treatment. So cool sculpting has a couple of advantages to it in that it's non-invasive compared to gastric bypass surgery or liposuction because it doesn't involve any incisions or inpatient procedures and the fact that it is an outpatient procedure that can be done within a doctor's office or at a medispa by a licensed esthetician. The other benefit is that cool sculpting is in relativity fairly cost effective um, as that each session is about $750. So I realize that that is not exactly cheap, but it is more affordable in relativity to other procedures like liposuction or an actual gastric bypass surgery, which can cost anywhere up to $20,000. So on the topic of inpatient procedures, I have also recently heard about a treatment called Thermage. Thermage is a non-surgical skin tightening treatment that uses radiofrequency energy to provide subtle skin tightening and body contouring. So Thermage is similar to cool sculpting in that it's an outpatient procedure. Uh, it can be done in a physician's office or then in a medispa by a licensed technician. And is also similar to cool sculpting as it can be used on many different areas of the body. Again, one of the most popular areas is the lower abdomen and the area under your chin to kind of reduce that double chin look. However, Thermage is different from cool sculpting uh, in that it is essentially pain-free. Uh, so the treatment looks like something similar to maybe an ultrasound in that a viscose uh, serum is placed onto the uh, area that's being treated and a device is placed on top of the skin, and radio frequencies are then um, pulsed through the skin. So if you've ever had something similar to maybe laser therapy from your physiotherapist, this would be very similar. So there's really no physical sensation. However, the results of Thermage are very much advertised as being subtle and has nothing really to do with essential weight loss, but more of this word that's been being tossed around called body contouring. In researching Thermage and reading about some experiences and reviews with this treatment, uh, it seems that if you already have skin that is in pretty good shape uh, versus skin that you maybe have in excess, it, Thermage will work better um, if you're already in a place where you feel comfortable and it again just tightens slightly um, so it won't be a full makeover. Uh, let's say, if you have a lot of excess skin. So according to Thermage, uh, the results depend on the collagen fiber network within the patient's body. So therefore, if you have a stronger collagen makeup, then 
you will see more pronounced results. So in researching Thermage, I was also looking at the price uh, in comparison to, let's say, cool sculpting. And the average price ranges from 2200 to 4200 um, and that's for multiple treatments. So if you are looking for an outpatient procedure that uh, relates to fat loss, then cool sculpting might be the avenue that you want to explore. And if you're looking to have a minor skin tightening procedure done that is again outpatient and relatively um, non-invasive, then Thermage might be something to check out. So there you go. Um, in this episode, we just wanted to kind of clear up um, any misconceptions potentially about um, weight loss procedures, both inpatient and outpatient. And with so much new technology being developed, both uh, medically and aesthetically, it's kind of hard to keep up with what is actually worthwhile and worth the investment uh, because all of these procedures are, you know, not cheap and it's not something that you would kind of do offhand. And it's important to know the difference between the surgeries that um, are serious and that they would prevent serious health concerns versus something that would be on a much more aesthetic basis like cool sculpting or thermage that um, is mostly about the way that you feel in your body and not necessarily related to any direct health benefits. And if you are interested in any of these sort of outpatient lower risk procedures, then I would encourage you to look up some reviews yourself. Um, a great resource that I found in my research is a website called Real Self. Um, which is all about plastic surgery and um, has actual reviews and um, has a score of whether the people who have gone through with that surgery or um, procedure have found that it was worth it. Um, and especially with cool sculpting, there were a lot of um, videos about it online actually showing the treatment. And it's pretty out there. It kind of seems like something you'd see maybe in a sci-fi movie or it just seems very new age maybe. And uh, one of the craziest parts about cool sculpting was that uh, when the esthetician went back in to kind of massage out that fat, it almost had a granular or um, consistency. It almost looked like a slushy that was being um, kind of under the skin. Um, again, I'm sorry if I grossed any of you guys out with that, but um, if you are interested in doing it, I think it would be worthwhile uh, looking at some of those reviews um, and seeing if that's the right option for you. So that brings us to the end of this episode of 20 Minute Fitness. And again, if you have any topic suggestions, feel free to send them our way at podcast at 20minute.fitness, or you can even reach out to us on Twitter. Um, at shape underscore scale and we would love to hear your comments feedback and again if you have um, just a moment of your time it would be amazing to rate and review this podcast it really does help us out and again thank you so much for listening and hope to meet you back here next week for more info about all things health and fitness bye